the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, November 5th. Do want to apologize again for the delay in releasing today's podcast. It's been a busy day for us here at Cracked Rackets, and hopefully, as you listeners know, we do our best to try and provide you all content from across the multiple spectrums of the professional tennis world, whether it be what's going on in juniors, what's going on at the collegiate level, of course, not just what's happening on the court, but off the court in pro tennis. And, you know, we try to bring on a variety of guests, and as some of you college tennis fans listening to this podcast might know, college tennis season right around the corner. We are hoping so dearly uh, to have the 2021 dual match season start on time, to have a national indoors, have an NCAA championship this season, certainly for all of those seniors who made the decision to come back for an additional year. That's the wager they made as well. Uh, And with that in mind, we've talked about it a little bit on these podcasts, talked about it a little bit on Twitter as well, but we had our first two interviews today of our college contender series, breaking down our top 10 teams going into this 2021 season season, of course, uh, in typical Cracked Rackets fashion this year. We had a tie for 10th. We adjusted the way we do our rankings. Of course, the ITA poll will come out as we get closer to the season. Of course, there's the USTA poll, I believe, as well. But, you know, there wasn't a Cracked Rackets poll, and we had to remedy that issue. And so me, Chris Halliorce, Matt Stachowiak coming together to form our Cracked Rackets poll, we named our top 11 teams. We voted on it. There was an hour and a half conference call. We mapped out a lot of different things. It was We litigated the case, and of course, you know, we are going to be recording preview episodes for each of these top 10, or in this case, top 11 teams. And of course, a, po- a component of that uh, preview p- process as well is that Chris and I like the, to have the opportunity, and we are so fortunate to get the opportunity to speak with the coaches of these top programs. Today, we had our first two interviews, and yeah, you know what, as, a, as a, my way of saying I'm sorry, I will give you those names. I'll tell you our top, t- or our team's tied for 10th are Georgia and Michigan this year. And so today we had the chance to interview Manny Diaz. We also had the chance to speak with coach Adam Steinberg. Of course, that's the first time I've gotten Steiny to come on our Cracked Interviews podcast. All of you know my history with the University of Michigan. So that was an absolute joy. And I'll just say if if we have as much fun on these next nine interviews we have left as we did on these first two, it's going to be a really, really fun series. And I can't wait for you listeners to hear that. All of that will start coming out next week. I believe it's Tuesday. Thursday for those two schools, and then we'll do one school a week up until the beginning of the 2021 ITA dual match season. Uh, we also had the chance today here at Cracked Rackets to get to speak with the one and only Sean Michael Gamble, of course, former top 25 player in singles and doubles, now commentator on Tennis Channel. We talked about so many different things, the way his, the game has changed since his time in it, you know, his history with the sport, talk about his career, his finest moments. Uh, I also asked him to put on his coaching hat, at, you know, ask him what are the things some of these young guys need to do to take their games to the next level. It's a fantastic conversation that we also did on video as well, so you can find that on our YouTube channel. That's also going to be a Cracked Interviews podcast we're either going to release, I think, tomorrow or maybe Monday. We also have a really fun guest scheduled for tomorrow on the show. Not going to give away that name, but I promise it's going to be one you listeners enjoy. So a lot of cool things happening here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, there's a lot of cool things going going on day in day out on the professional in the professional tennis world excuse me as well that's what we'd like to talk about here on the mini break podcast the reason we're able to do so because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar look good feel good play good
Midwest Sports, Aero Bar, Cracked Rackets, MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15AeroBar.com. The promo code is Cracked15. You guys know my pitch for both of those places. You know, again, we are so grateful for their continued support of us. The least we can do, ask you to go support them as well. So, look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports, Aero Bar, Cracked Rackets. All right, well, we're going to do a mini, mini break today. It was initially, you know, quick origin story, so it's not going to be a mini, mini break, I guess, but origin story for the mini break podcast was, you know, we started to do a bunch of daily GSPs during these slams, and we used to just do them once a week, and it was like, well, if you only do a tennis podcast once a week, you have to talk about like 65 different matches in the course of one podcast, and by the way, that's if there's only one tournament on the week, not if there's challengers, WTA, ATP action, and so we had the idea, why not do the mini break podcast? Why not spend like 15 to 20 minutes a day breaking down all of these events each and every day, because tennis is such a fluid sport, as we know, and again, the emphasis on the mini break it was going to be mini and uh uh, jury's still out. We've gotten better about it. Anyways, we're going to do a mini edition of the Mini Break Podcast. Just want to run you through the results from Wednesday's matches. Thursdays, a bunch of them have already happened. I also want to talk about some of the things going on outside of the tennis court in the tennis world. Let's start with the action in Paris as we have all week because it's our final Masters 1000 event of the year for a bunch of these players. You know, Diego Schwartzman, if he does well in this event, he'll have the opportunity to clinch his spot uh, at the year-end championships. Of course, Karina Busta, Rayonich, Wawrinka still sort of in the hunt, although they're going to need Schwartzman to lose pretty soon, and then they're going to need to continue to have success themselves. But, you know, all of those guys advanced to the round of 16 on Wednesday. You look at some of the best matches on the day. There were a bunch of three-set battles, but of course, the ones that stand out. Uh, let's start with number one seeded Rafael Nadal makes his debut in Paris. Of course, very rarely do we get to see Rafa on the indoor hard courts. And of course, he came out a little bit in that first set, but nevertheless, 4-6-7-6-6-4 over Feliciano Lopez. I suppose if you want to look at the biggest notes in this match, although eventually, you know, Rafa was just able to do this thing, uh, his thing, but just for Lopez, he had so much success on the serve. Indoor hard court, he's able to take big rips on both the first and second serves, and you know, 22 aces against seven double faults. He seemed to always find a big first serve when he needed it. He saved six of the seven break points he faced. But, you know, once Rafa got into the tiebreaker, you kind of felt like, okay, if he wins this tiebreaker, this match is over. In this match, Rafa drops only six points on his first serve, 51 of 47. He's 19 of 34 on the second serve, three of four on break points. Ultimately, in a match that's an either-or, Nadal made 63% of his first serves. Lopez made 54%. Sometimes things are that simple. That really was the case. Rafa made enough first serves, was able to impose himself physically just enough, got the break he needed in the third. He survives in this one and he advances to the round of 16. Uh, of course, some of your other winners on the day. Again, I'll just go chronologically here. We were looking forward to that Medvedev-Anderson rematch. Unfortunately, Anderson played a lot of tennis over these past couple weeks. He pulls out in the tiebreaker against Daniil Medvedev, 6-all in the first set. So Medvedev advances. You look at the other results on the day. Zverev, 2-2 two and two over Kesmenovic. I think we could all see that coming. Andre Rublev, you know, 1-2 and two over Radu Elbot. I think it's more surprising when Andre Rublev Lose, uh, Rublev loses a set than when he 
wins a set at this point. Some of the other ones, Schwartzman, just too much game for Richard Gasquet. He wins that match, 7-5-6-3. Ditto for Pablo Carreno Busta, although that might have been a match a day ago. I might be screwing that up, but 6-2 and two over Struff. Your other winners, Rayonich 4-4 four four over Air Bear. That was the exact sort of power tennis you could have expected. Manorino, Nishioka, we said it was going to go the distance. It did go the distance. Manorino, 6-3 in the third in that one. We also had a win from Davidovich Fokina, 4-4 four and four over Bonzi. We had a 3-5 and five win from Demonauer over Sinego to end his run for Alex Demonauer. I continue to say this, but on an indoor hard court when the conditions are just so perfect, when, again, this is one of the isms I've picked up just talking to a bunch of coaches, in particular college coaches, who when it's indoor season, they get furious at their players if they don't track down that extra ball, if they don't, aren't they, you know, making that extra effort because the conditions are perfect. And if the conditions are perfect and you're putting in the sort of fitness that these pros are, you can track down every ball. And legitimately, I think Alex Diemenauer, there's not, you know, you have to hit the ball so perfectly uh, placement-wise and so, you know, so much spin, so much power to hit a winner against him. And even Lorenzo Sinego, you know, like the drop shot component of his game was taken away because Diemenauer tracks them all down. Too good from him in this match, three and five. Your two three-set battles on the day. Stan Wawrinka, really impressive win, four six seven six six two over Tommy Paul. And I think the most impressive part for uh, Stan in this match was Tommy Paul had him. Wins that first set, I believe, was up a break in the second. Certainly uh, looked like he was in control. And, you know, Stan stayed the course. Stan continued to take big rips. And in this match, Tommy Paul uh, continued to make fewer and fewer first serves. And you could just sort of see as the match went on, Tommy's legs escape from him. He really needed this one in straight sets. But, look, Tommy did a great job taking advantage of the Stan Wawrinka second serve. 18 of 41 on those second serve points. Tommy breaks Stan five times in the match. You know, ultimately, Stan gets a bunch of those breaks back in the uh, in the second set, and then in the third set, he kind of runs up his break point total, but Tommy was right there, stride for stride, and certainly we still think San Wawrinka is a top 30 player, right? And Tommy Paul, in my opinion, was the better player from start, you know, from start, I don't want to say from start to finish, but certainly through the first two-thirds of this match, but Stan Wawrinka just survived. He started taking bigger cuts at the return. He started, you know, going big uh, to the Paul back, and he started playing more slice as well, get the ball out of Tommy Paul's strike zone. thought it was a really good game plan from Stan, and again, he just did a really good job of putting some pressure on Tommy Paul, who's a you know tremendous athlete, but he wants to be moving forward. He wants to be moving you side to side, and he just wasn't able to play enough offense down the home stretch of this match. Also started to struggle again on serve as he lost his legs, but really good win for Stan Wawrinka in three sets to advance to the round of 16, and then your other three set are the, another upset on the day. Uh, we had a I believe it was Jordan Thompson. Yes, two six six four six two over number four, uh, fifteen seeded Borna Chorich. Chorich was up six two two love in this match, and then. I don't know. The script flipped, and George kind of lost his range on the forehand. The surge started to evaporate, uh, d- desert him a little bit. His legs just, you know, he wasn't able to impose himself as well physically in that first set. And certainly Thompson raised his level significantly, but a little disappointed. I really liked the way Borna George was playing. I thought he was going to win that match. Unfortunately, he did not, and it ruined one of my parlays on the day. But really good win for Jordan Thompson, who 
you know, indoor hardcore, he, he, much like Alex Diemenauer, they're just going to track down everything, and that's a really tough out no matter what sort of opponent you're playing because it's an indoor hardcore, and, you know, again, the conditions are just perfect, but that leads us to a really fun round of 16-day. Of course, most of that action completed, so I'm not going to preview it all. Hopefully, you follow along with us every morning as we make our picks for our aces of the day where we talk about all of the day's matches and we preview all of the action we expect to see unfold. In terms of the other things that went down on the court on Wednesday. Of course, some really fun ITF action going on across the globe. We've got players like Claire Liu, CC Bellis, uh, you know, they're in action at the ITF level, I believe. Who am I missing? There's one more I wanted to say. Oh, uh, Emma Navarro's playing as well, you know. Uh, some really fun matches. You have Ellen Perez, Somariba. You've got a bunch of college players in action as well. Charlie Broom taking on, you know, Matias Soto is in action. All of these different players, uh, Alexis Galarno. Uh, so some really fun ITF action, of course, at the challenger level. You know, things do really start to get exciting today, uh, you know, as we get towards this quarterfinals round of 16s. You look at the action in Parma, and unfortunately, I don't know why it's not behaving for me right now, but, you know, quarterfinals set, it's going to be really fun. Arnabaldi versus Silva, Brody versus Cressy, Steb versus Marcora, Helice versus Vanny. We'll talk more about how Roberto Marcora knocked off Lorenzo Mosetti in three sets uh, on tomorrow's podcast. You look in Ectinal, uh, in terms of the indoor hardcore carpet, of course, again, always got to enjoy a tournament when it's on carpet. You've got Matrizek versus Moller, Donskoy versus Ramanathan, Husler versus Ivashka, Quarter going to take on Paparin. Wow, Ivashka 0-1 over Yuri Rodinov. That is one heck of a win for him. Uh, so, of course, that's the action going on at the Challenger Tour. But do want to talk about one of the developments we quickly had off the court. And, you know, we talked about it when the allegations first arose. Jamie McDonald came on on the podcast, uh, Ben Rothenberg has been doing reporting on the uh, Alia Sharapova's story. She, uh, you know, opens up about how she was in a relationship with Alex Zverev, and during the relationship, she suffered from both physical and emotional abuse. And, you know, we talked about it when the story first came out, and we said we wanted to wait until there was more reporting, until there was more, you know, comprehensive detail behind the story of what happened. And you know, I'm fortunate enough I was embargoed because I happened to be friends with Ben and Ben said, hey, do you mind reading this piece? I want to know what works. You know, just looking for advice and I've never been more flattered in my life. But what he said, but the other rule is you can't talk about it on the podcast until I've published the piece for Racket Magazine. He has subsequently published the piece. And the biggest thing I would say is go read it. I mean, Alia's testimony is just so damning. It's so devastating that anything like this could happen it's just I mean her story for her to open up in that way to tell her story the bravery that takes it's just remarkable and it's an incredible piece of journalism from Ben who takes such a liberty to let Alia's story do the talking to not you know editorialize to not imply uncertainties to just let the facts speak for themselves and you know again I it's incredibly powerful and Unfortunately, Alex Virov did not agree to be interviewed for the piece, and I think it's it's important to mention as you read that you're not going to see quotes from him. But guess what? He was offered the opportunity to tell his side of the story. He was offered the opportunity to come clean to say, "Yes, this happened. No, this didn't happen." If you're going to deny it, you know, prove your facts. You, the burden is on you now. Tell me why this isn't true. She has proven everything. She is, you know, whether it be texts, whether it be photos, all these different evidences, she, uh, different pieces of evidence she has provided. If you're innocent, Alex Virev, you better come up with the goods right now and you better say so because for Alia Sharapova, I mean just the bravery, the courage it takes 
to tell this side of the story. And then Zverev doesn't even have – you know, silence is damning sometimes in these incidents. And again, I want to let the facts speak for themselves, but go read Alia uh, Sharapova's testimony and just tell me how you don't feel compelled to just – it's just disgusting. It's just – I mean – it's 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 maddening that anyone could do this to another human being, and if you didn't, you better have evidence that you didn't because, again, Alia Sharapova, the, the courage it takes to leave her story out there and the way she has and the reporting Ben does as well, it's it's powerful stuff. And, and I just wanted to mention that to all of you listeners. I really, again, I highly recommend you go read the piece. You can find it on Ben's Twitter. You can find it in Racket Magazine. That piece is public for everyone to read it's something else so be sure to go check that out um yeah i wanted to update everyone on that of course uh, another thing we learned today speaking of the itf action in fayetteville um unfortunately justin butch tests positive for covid19 and because of that he and his doubles partner alex rybakov subsequently withdrawn from the tournament and look it, it, whenever it happens at you know, in Paris or in New York or at one of these glitzy ATP WTA events, it gets a lot of coverage. But the ITF's ability and the smaller events' ability to handle potential COVID outbreaks, to have protocols in place, procedures to protect everyone involved in the event, that will determine whether we have any sort of schedule or a full schedule, anything even close to resembling that come 2021. And of course, there are other financial factors that will determine that as well, but that's going to be one of the biggest things. And if they can't figure that out, there's not going to be any tennis. And so hopefully things look okay, but obviously we wish Justin and Alex a speedy recovery. And that's one of the storylines as we head out of this 2020 season, head into 2021, certainly. But again, I wanted to keep today's mini break on the minier side. That's all that happened on Wednesday. Those are my thoughts. Of course, we will have more on the action in Paris than across the tennis globe uh, on tomorrow's podcast. I, at some point, will drag Ben on. I know how many requests he's getting right now, but to talk about his story, to talk about the reporting that went into it as well. And again, of course, we have a lot of fun things coming for you on the Cracked Interviews podcast. I believe Jean-Michael Gamble tomorrow will start up the college series next week with Steinberg and Manny Diaz. Uh, we've got some really fun stuff ahead. So, of course, to find all of our content, just head over to our website website, crackrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly. I'm at Great Shot Pod. Of course, shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff for the of an ending job they do day in day out shout out of course as well to our friends over at midwest sports and DraftKings. go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use that promo code cracked 15 uh, but with that in mind for our wonderful friends at midwest sports and Dra- uh, and excuse me at midwest sports and aerobar our super producers max figner and daniel westoff and all of us here at both cracked records and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you always say that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.